So I'm here with uh, Lindsay Craven. Lindsay is the artistic director of Merlefest, the traditional plus music festival celebrating its 35th anniversary this year. Uh, this week, actually, beginning on Thursday, April 27th in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Um, Lindsay, you started working as an intern at Merlefest back in 2007, and you haven't missed a festival since then. What initially attracted you to Merlefest, and uh, how have you seen or even helped it evolve over the years? Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, I started as an intern. Um, I was at Appalachian State University, which is about 30 minutes up the road from the festival grounds. Um, I had actually never heard of Merle Fest before then, um, just saw it on an internship board and thought that would be, I had a great interest in music. I worked for this uh, student newspaper doing the arts and entertainment section. So I was like, this would be a great fit for me. Um, so did that that first year and just fell in love with it. Um, and you know, it has grown a lot over the years, the entertainment lineup, I mean, the value, the, the quality of the entertainment just continues to grow every year. Um, and just the audience numbers have grown, the volunteers, everything about the festival, just every year it gets a little bit bigger and just a little bit better than it was the year before. What would you say was the kind of the biggest difference between that first show in 2007 and your last show, we'll say 2022. Is there one thing you could identify as, okay, this is something we totally would not have thought about in 20, 2007? Um, I, I'd say like our, uh, I believe it was our Austin stage maybe that changed its location completely. Um, it went from a kind of hillside similar to our hillside stage, but it was a smaller hillside and a much more steep hillside. And they ended up moving that stage inside. Um, and then, I don't know, I mean, everything's probably a little different than before, but just the, the quality grows a little bit every year. You know, we learn how to do things bigger and better um, and improve both the artist and the audience's experience. So we've made little changes over the years that just result in big changes overall. So as artistic director, are you the sole uh, determiner of which artists are booked? Like, and it probably happens more, uh, further in advance than this, but like a week from tomorrow when it's May 1st, 2023 is over. It's time to decide who's going to play 2024. Like, what does that look like? Is there like a, is it just you with a big stack of CDs in front of you and you're like, okay, who's who's going to be next year? What what does that look like? Um, so yeah, we definitely we're working. I mean, we're already working on 2024 now. Um, so that process is forever ongoing. Um, but there's a small team of us. Uh, we have a, a a group of people that's across the board on our Merle Fest committee um, that kind of weigh in and give us their suggestions. Um, both from non-programming backgrounds and you know the ones that have gone through the process before um, to just kind of give us their thoughts and what do they think people will like and you know many of them are local and have grown up in the area so they know the local audience really well so they weigh in um, and then there's a group of us a smaller group of us that kind of narrow it down after we've gone through all of our options we check in with our agents um, at the various agencies and get their pitches for the year um, I go to conferences throughout the year. We go to IBMA and Raleigh. Um, we do Americana Fest in Nashville, Folk Alliance in Kansas City. 
um, and the various other places that pop up along the way. Um, I go to shows throughout the year and, you know, anybody that rolls across my inbox or that I see online that I think might be a good match, go try to catch them live and see what their show looks like. And then, you know, we just look at our options and, you know, start balancing out what will make a good balanced lineup because it's traditional plus. So it leaves us a lot of leeway, but we do try to get, you know, a good balance of different genres of music. So we're hitting everybody's taste that come to the festival. So it's a it's a process and we kind of have formulas on how we do things that work well for us so far. So we kind of follow those and um, and then, you know, every now and again, we get those things that pop up that are just we, we find a way to make it work. It might not have been in our plans initially, but it's too good to pass up. So we make it happen. So when you just said uh, going to shows and festivals throughout the year, uh, I believe I've just realized that artistic director for Merle Fest may be the greatest job ever. Um, <laughs> because that sounds, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, one thing that just kind of occurred to me that I've always wondered about music festivals, uh, and you know, I go to a lot of them, all different genres, but I've always kind of wondered how do you figure who gets like the headlining slot, like. Because I'll, I'll sometimes you'll see a music festival and you'll think, well, wait a minute, I think this person should probably be on it, you know, nine. Why is he opening for this person? I, I think I've just always been curious on, you know, how does that how does that work? Or is that predetermined in some way by the management or something? It's kind of a, a variety of things. Sometimes, um, you know, the artist requests a specific time frame. They don't want to do the latest spot. It's just later than they prepare, prefer to be on stage. Um, so we try to work with that. Um, you know, we base it off, you know, general ticket sales, who's the, generally who's the biggest ticket seller, that's who's gonna close the day, but it doesn't always play out that way. Um, and then sometimes it's just negotiating with the artists and their agents and man managers and saying, you know, this is what they want. And, then balancing it out with what we have already planned and what we were planning to do, you know, down the line too. So it just, it varies year to year on how that works out. Yeah. Speaking, uh, kind of speaking of tickets, uh, and I know you're talking about general ticket sales, but like, um, as far as just for Merle Fest uh, ticket sales, is there any way to measure things like, okay, we know this artist will probably generate this many tickets for the festivals and kind of getting a, a little more broadly out there, like aside from, you know, obvious, the audience reaction, do you do any kind of like follow-up market research or anything of, okay, this, this person was really, really good and got a, you know, we got a lot of positive feedback, you know, I was just kind of been curious about that too, of, you know, how you gauge that and who, who you may invite back and who you may think, well, maybe, maybe they weren't such a great fit after all. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you manage those things? Well, we definitely, we have a uh, audience surveys that we send out, um, both in person and we send them out digitally afterwards as well. And we've got them in our app, um, so that the audience who's there can weigh in and let us know what they liked and what they didn't like. Um, and within that there's suggestions on, you know, what artists do we need to bring and they're welcome to put in, you know, the artists we've already had, which we often get, you know, we get a lot of bring this person back. We need to see them again. Um, we really monitor our social media a lot and see what people keep asking for. Um, you know, we look at that. We send, usually send out at least a couple posts a year where we're asking people what they want to see. 
And then, you know, after the festival, we look and see what got a lot of attention, um, you know, when we post pictures and live videos and things like that, we can see the feedback that's happening on those. And uh, if we get a lot of buzz around a certain artist, we make note of that. But yeah, they should, they should probably be on the list to come back again in the future. Um, and then we just look at the audience while they're performing. You know, we've had some artists that we, you know, that didn't necessarily make a big buzz when we announced them. I mean, people were excited about them, but they really just resonated with the audience live. Um, and that just really got tons of feedback that, oh, you've got to have them back. Um, so lots of, as always, like with all of my answers so far, it's just kind of a lot of different variables. Um, yeah. But those are the key ones. A lot of social media these days. Just an artist that I saw um, uh, last year that I really wasn't wasn't really on my radar was Leanne Rhymes, and I thought she put on mm -hmm. a phenomenal show, and I thought the crowd was eating it up. I, so that was to me that was one of those things where it's like, well, I did not see that one coming. Did you? Yeah, did, you go, that, get, did you get a lot of good feedback on that in general? Yeah, we got a lot of great feedback on her. She had such an energetic show. Um, and I yeah. think that's what it is, is just they, most of the time it's people haven't seen their live show. Um, they know who they are. They might know their music fairly well. Um, and especially with someone like Leanne, who's been around since she was what, like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Um, so she's been on the radar for a long time. Um, but a lot of people haven't caught her live. So they didn't really know what to expect. And then she was just dynamite on that stage. Uh, so that makes a big difference. And, you know, our audience really loves a great, you know, live stage show. So that that always is something we pay attention to. And I think it really changes audience opinions um, from when we announce the artist versus when they actually get to see him live. So when you're uh, when you're reaching out to an artist as opposed uh, to uh, to being pitched, what's your biggest selling point to, you know, hey, we want you to do this uh, Merle Fest. What, what's your what's your kind of basic pitch? Your biggest selling point? I think it's just the the historic nature of the festival. You know, we're going into our 35th year this year, so we are established. You know, we have a great track record. We have artists who love us and who join us every year that are well established in the music industry, um, and we just have. I feel we have a great reputation. Um, and we just try to get that across. Um, we are a fundraiser, and I think that's a big selling point for us. You know, of course, being affiliated with Doc Watson does not hurt. Um, and we always make sure people are aware of that. Um, but the fact that we're a fundraiser for Wilkes Community College and that we're supporting our community, um, we're supporting education in our community, uh, I think that also helps um, let the artists know that it's it's more than just playing a concert. You're actually doing some good for a community, especially a smaller rural community. What are some of your specific criteria and do you have any deal breakers? Like I, like I can't imagine, uh, I don't know if you know who Wheeler Walker Jr. is, uh, adult themed artist. I can't imagine him playing Merle Fest. Uh, you know, do, do you have any like, are there any hard and fast lines of, yeah, this is not gonna cut it or, what, what does that look like as far as your general criteria? Um, yeah, I mean, they have to be able to perform a family-friendly show. Um, we are family-friendly. We are strict about that. Um, so, you know, 
that's one thing that I pay attention to when I go see these bands live, if it's someone we're not sure about, or, you know, we haven't seen a lot of their live material. Um, we like to go and see, you know, what does their live show look like? What's their language like on stage? Is there a lot of uh, alcohol talk or drug talk or anything like that that just doesn't fit with our values at Merle Fest? Um, and, you know, if there's a little bit of that, we have a conversation of, you know, we're family friendly. Can you clean up your stage show? you know, to fit this type of audience, because obviously they play lots of different places. So that's not something they have to think about everywhere they go, but they're capable of doing it, a lot of them. So we don't rule them out stri strictly because they might cuss on stage every now and again or something like that. But we do have the conversation of, you know, we are family friendly festival. We do have kids out in the audience. So we ask that you keep it clean on stage. Um, if you've got some language in any of your songs, you know, make those the radio friendly edit. Um, and do what you can. Now it doesn't always work. They are human beings. They, you know, they make slip ups on stage. Uh, but that is something we do try to address and make sure of. And if there's a doubt that we can't manage that and we can't communicate that to them and get them to honor it, then usually that will result that we wouldn't invite them. Um, but other than that, you know, we've got a pretty broad range of genres. So there's not a lot that rules it out. I mean, obviously, we don't do a lot of pop music or rap um but generally just about everything else falls into traditional plus so we've got a good broad range of music so that doesn't really rule anybody out yeah and um speaking of traditional plus well let me let me come back to that in just a second when you're talking about like you said having a conversation if somebody has uh you know songs with certain uh material that's not family friendly but um do you guys get involved in any other ways such as let's say you have an artist and they've released a bluegrass album that you guys really like but they've got other music that's more mainstream do you ever get to the point where you're like yeah we like you to play the bluegrass stuff but the other stuff we'd really rather not and kind of vice versa you know if you've got somebody coming in and they're like yeah i've got a bunch of hits but i'm not going to play the hits i just want to play whatever you know it's kind of a expectations managing game um yeah we have a few um you know we've had a few put out some bluegrass albums uh sturgill simpson uh alan jackson dirk bentley they all had bluegrass albums and several of those actually reached out to us once they put those bluegrass albums out because they want to come play it for our audience um most of the time in those situations uh you know they're still you know a good match in general what they normally do is still a good match for our audience there's not a lot of like non-country artists or non-roots artists that put out bluegrass albums anyway so it usually works out um but if it's a matter of they they tell us they don't want to play the hits it's usually a conversation we have to have because if it's a well-known artist then even if they have a new album out that might be generating some excitement we do try to make sure they still play those songs that people recognize at least some of them um they don't have to play their entire catalog but we do want to make sure because we've had some experiences in the past where that didn't happen quite that way and the audience was kind of disappointed so we do try to make sure that if it's a well-established artist with a, a deep catalog that they throw in some of those hits so our audience doesn't leave disappointed it's just it, it seems to me such a difficult balancing act to figure out okay how, how to thread that needle between just enough traditional and just enough plus um <laughs> You know, I mean, it almost, 
I can in my in my mind I envision you with a with a big board and you're like okay these are the traditionals and these are the plus and let's let's make sure we don't have you know too many on either side what's what does that kind of look like in reality you're not far off it's not necessarily a board it might be a spreadsheet on my computer but <laughs> um it's you know I'm a visual person so I usually do kind of plan it out in front of me and look and see um, you know, a lot of artists these days fall into multiple categories. Um, so there's a lot of crossover there as well. Um, it's not as hard as it may seem. Um, but, you know, we do look at it and break it down by genre. Um, you know, all the different areas, country, blues, rock, uh, bluegrass, old time, dance, because we have a dance stage as well. So we factor in some dance areas as well. And then, you know, all those other Americana. So we've got lots of different genres that we look at and we try to give a nice balance of each on each day, not just, okay, we have this at the festival, but we try to make sure we have a couple of them and it's spread throughout the weekend. So you don't have to be there the entire weekend to see a genre that you might like. As far as once the artists are, are here on site, especially an artist who may stay for a day or two, um, how involved are you in like the logistics? Like, let's say uh, Jim Lauderdale, he's got a rider that says only peanut M&Ms uh, in the dressing room and uh, somebody puts regular M&Ms. You know, what's what's the, what does that side look like as far as, you know, getting these artists in kind of a, a small area? You know, I mean, it's kind of it's a small enough area where if Charlie Crockett walks in the coffee house, uh, <laughs> you know, people are people are going <laughs> to notice. Um, so, you know, how do, how do those logistics look? Um, well, we, you know, we have a four day festival and over the course of the weekend, we can have anywhere between 80 to 100 artists, depending on the year. Um, so we are limited in those green, green M&M requests. Um, you know, we will tell them, you know, we're a fundraiser. We have a lot of artists, so, you know, we can only, we can only accommodate so much. Um, we do offer festival catering backstage and generally that our audience, our artists are happy enough with that. Um, so it's, it's not too complicated there. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about Merle Fest is that the artists feel pretty comfortable going out and doing things within the audience. They go out and take their families and go in the shops or they'll go and sit and watch a show at a stage amongst the audience members. Um, and they're really not harassed too much. They might be stopped and asked for a picture here and there, but generally they can get from place to place. And aside from saying a few hellos, maybe snapping a picture or two, they're not, you know, bothered too much while they're out and about. And I think they love that about coming to the festival is they also get to be an audience member and just enjoy it and be part of that crowd and, you know, feel the love of the music with everybody else. Yeah, for sure. And I, I brought up Charlie Crockett because I saw uh, both of his shows um when he was here last and i remember uh he had played one of the side stages and he was getting on a golf cart and i was standing like three feet from him and i said this is probably one of the hottest acts in you know in the genre you know in the world right now and i'm standing three feet from him and he's just jumping on a golf cart uh it, it, i think it really is a testament to the fans uh, of murphys too right that that they can feel, you know, that comfortable to be like, yeah, nobody's going to grab me. I'll jump in my golf cart and 
go to the bus and come yeah. back for the next show. I think our fans know that, you know, these artists, while, you know, they may be famous or, you know, they may, you know, they may be uber fans of that artist, that they're still human beings and, you know, they're respectful. Um, uh, I think that that makes a huge difference. And I think for our first time artists, they don't maybe realize that when they get there, but by the time they're done, um, most of them are asking to come back because they had such a great experience with us. Is there somebody that you've always, that you've, that you've tried to, or you've always wanted to book, uh, maybe put this a different way, somebody you think would be perfect for Merle Fest, uh, but it's just never worked out for whatever reason. Like somebody who you kind of like, this is, this is my dream person. Do, do you, do you have a name there? And if you do, would you share it? Well, I would say that um, I think it's safe to say that my personal dream artist, it pops up a lot on our um, our audience suggestions and our social media pages. So I think it's it's fair to say that one of my dream artists is also the dream artist of several of our audience members. But Bonnie Ray would be one we'd love to have on our stages. We've we've worked on it a few times and it just scheduling wise hasn't worked out yet. Um, but we hope to one day get to have Bonnie play our main stage one year. I would have sworn that Bonnie Raitt had played Murphys. I did not know that. Not yet. Oh. Not yet. All right. Yeah, no, that would be great. I thought you were going to say Bob Dylan, but okay. Oh, Bob uh, Dylan is on the list. We've got a long list of people that haven't been there yet. <laughs> we think would be perfect. But, uh, but yeah, no, but, but, but yeah, but no, I think Bonnie Raitt, I think you're right. I th again, so perfect that I would have just assumed that she's played Merle Fest like five times. So yeah, no, I think you're, <laughs> I think, I think you're exactly right. Um, so I want to put you on the spot just a little bit here. Could you give me kind of thinking back since 2007, just a couple or three of uh, of your favorite Merle Fest performances that you've seen and just been like, you know, whoa, uh, this blown away. Do you have a couple of favorites? I can't remember if it was, I think it was either 07 or 08. Um, the Avett brothers played and that was my first Avett brothers live experience. Um, so that one was pretty memorable for me personally. Um, they always put on a huge show for us and the audience loves them. So they're, you know, the perfect Merle Fest band, really. Um, I really, one of my favorite Sunday performances was, I believe it was an 18. We had Paul Thorne, the Blind Boys of Alabama. Um, I thought that was one of my, that was probably one of my favorite Sunday performances I've ever seen on the main stage. Um, it was just, you know, a great gospel set, but with so much soul. Um, and Paul Thorne was actually, his bus broke down on the way there. He was a little late to his performance. So the blind boys got things started and then he just came like barreling on stage. So it was a pretty cool Merle Fest memory as well, just in the moment kind of thing. Um, they put on a fantastic performance that year. Um, all of the, I, when I was a volunteer, you know, uh, intern and volunteer, I always try to make it a point to catch Doc over at the Creekside during his gospel set. Um, those were always my favorite when Doc was with us because um, I felt like he was really in his element on those sets. Um, and it's hard to pick some of my favorite bands. Um, you know, I've gotten to see some of my favorites. We've had Melissa Etheridge, you know, I've, been listening to her since I was a little girl. Um, John Prine, 
we've had a few oh, times yeah, wow. and his all of his sets were amazing um it broke my heart when we lost him in 2020 uh so yeah i mean there's been so many emmylou harris i've gotten to see some amazing amazing legends that i might not have got to see otherwise thanks to thanks to my role at the festival so uh 2023 kicks off this thursday um i'm really excited for thursday night i think i feel like thursday night is kind of it's quickly becoming one of the one of the bigger nights uh, you know you used to and this may be just in in, in my mind as as an observer uh you know because you know things don't open up until thursday afternoon but you know the thursday nights are getting really good this thursday it's little feet josh ray walker and brothers of a feather which are the robinson brothers from black crows um there'll be mayor morris is going to be there sunday over the weekend you've got that the avits but that Baron, saturday me, those, way, sorry. <laughs> oh sorry yeah saturday sorry yeah. uh but yet like to me that thursday night like little feet josh walker and brothers of a feather that's a pretty epic thursday night show right yeah we think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, so and we have even Tommy aside, Emmanuel playing before Little Feet. Too, yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. So, so which of which of the uh, kind of uh, the bigger name acts or the better known acts are you most looking forward to see uh, to seeing here in 2023 as a fan? And who's somebody that's maybe more under the radar that you're excited about and you hope people check out? Um, well, personally for me, I guess I'm most excited about the Brothers of a Feather, the Chris and Rich Robinson duo yeah. of the Black Crows. I've not seen the Black Crows or the Brothers of a Feather arrangement live, so I'm excited to see them. That's a lot of music from my childhood. Um, and Tanya Tucker, this will be her first performance yeah. and, you know, also the first for me to get to see her live. And I'm excited for that one. I think she's got tons of buzz and I'm excited to see what she's doing now. She's got a new album that's coming out soon. so uh lots of cool things with her and then having nickel creek back um we haven't seen them in so long so uh, i've heard some amazing things about their new stage show so i think that's going to be a really fabulous show on sunday afternoon as well um as far as acts that might not be as recognized miko marks has got a lot of buzz um mm -hmm. i think that she's gonna blow some people away this year um Brothers Comatose has played with us before, but it's been, I think, maybe since 2016. But they put on a really cool live show, and I think people are really going to dig their their sets. Um, and then some great female artists. We've got Allie McGurk. She's kind of got a little bit of a bluesy aspect to her. Um, B. Taylor, great keyboard piano player, um, kind of upbeat. She's going to do the cabin stage before the Avett Brothers, and I think that's going to be just a fun night of music between Marcus King and then B and then the A. It's, it's just going to be a really upbeat, fun night. Uh, 